My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon. If you love your boxing and your MMA, then this is obviously the show for you. Find it extra where we bring you all the latest from the world of combat sports. Joining me, as always, is the great Gareth A. Davis for another busy, busy show. Coming up on the show, we're going to look ahead to what boxing has in store for 2022. 2021 was so good. Let's hope 2022 can be the same. How will the heavyweight division play out? Where do the likes of Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois fit in? What will Canelo do next? Who will be the lightweight champion by the end of the year? Questions, questions, questions. We're also going to look ahead to Amir Khan versus Carol Brook finally facing each other in the ring. Yes, it's about seven years too late, but it is going to happen this year. Plus, we're going to preview the next step for the likes of Katie Taylor, Connor Ben, and of course, the big man, Anthony Joshua. Don't go anywhere. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. money's right we have to look at it it's about respect first and the third thing is like the smartest businessman I made the smartest decisions in my career will I take the step aside money if it's a smart business move will it affect my reputation and my respect will I still get to fight the best fighters I have to consider these three things in my career a big useless dosser not a real fighting man a hype job bodybuild crossfit AJ if you're out there Let's make this fight happen, you big dosser. I just don't, you know, just for the fact that he's, uh, you know, fighters when they see each other, you know, they keep each other respect for what they've done in the game. You know, he's always looked down at me. He's never given me my fair due. He's never given me that respect. He's never given the fans this fight until he's backed into the corner at his final hour. Yeah, it could be an interesting 2022. We know 
Taylor and they can't kill Rook. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, I heard at the start of the package there. Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, a fight that looks... It might happen. It could. AJ could be Usyk. Fury could get past potentially Dillian White. It's still a massive fight. It will be the biggest fight that can be made in boxing. Let's welcome in the great Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, how are you, my man? I'm very well. A happy new year to you, Eddie. Happy new year to you too. Gareth, are you the type of New Year's resolutions type person? Do you do that stuff? Not really, no. but uh, I do want to see a few things in the fight world in 2022. I want resolutions in the world we work in, and we will go over them today. One of which is I cannot understand why boxing is not around this month, because it could massively impact uh, on even February, in my view. It's a weird one. Um, and also, I know we're going to talk about it. We start the year with very, very odd World Boxing Association rankings in the heavyweight division. Other than that, I agree with you. It was a brilliant year when we assessed it last year in boxing. And I know you did MMA last week uh, with one of our colleagues, Nick Pete. Um, but it is, yeah, it's, just, it's a weird start to you. Are you a resolutions man or not? I can't lie to you. I've written some targets and goals. We're going from, I'm going to attack them all as well. I didn't want to do it. My mum put me under pressure. She's like, what are your targets and goals? And I was like, I haven't got any. I wrote them down. They're going to be some good ones. I'm telling you now, it's going to be a good year for me. It's going to be a good year for you as well, Gareth. It will Excellent. be. You mentioned, obviously, uh, no boxing, unfortunately, over here in January, which is a massive shame. Let's hear from uh, the General Secretary of the British Boxing Board of Control, Robert Smith, who spoke to Jim White a bit earlier and said that, you know, January boxing, it was a circuit breaker and it has to be because it was a no-brainer. One thing that was happening during the course of the last couple of months was that shows were being cancelled at the last minute because boxers and trainers, etc. Were going down with the virus. Yeah. Um, we had situations where contests were being cancelled at the last minute. So you had shows being cancelled, contests being cancelled. Therefore, boxers who weren't ill or hadn't contacted the virus or weren't part of a COVID issue uh, were not boxing uh, and they'd been trading, etc. So that's one of the things we had to discuss. Uh, and we did that with the doctors. And then lo and behold, uh, come end of December, we started to find out that um, some of our officials and doctors were going down with it as well. Mm, uh, Robert Smith there uh, speaking a bit earlier as to why there is no boxing in January. I mean, look, the, the issue I have with this is the other sports are not going behind closed doors. The other sports, sports are not cancelling. Uh, why boxing needs to do so, I don't know. I, I actually read a bit of a statement when he spoke to, I don't know who he spoke to, and he, he was saying that a part of the reason for this as well is because obviously medical staff have to be ringside and the NHS is stretched and he doesn't want to remove medical staff from the NHS. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Well, well, it is one of the factors, and, and Robert Smith had mentioned that to me, Addy, but, you know, when you look at the number of shows and the number of medical staff that is available, mm. that are, who are available, it, it seems a rather facile reason for yeah. giving. And I know that Frank Warren's been very angered by it this yeah. week, the promoter yeah. Frank Warren. Um, it's obviously impacted on some of the big events uh, in January, not least uh, Chris Eubank Jr. And, um, and Williams, of course, because, you know, what Liam Williams, because one of the things is that was a big fight and it's already been delayed once. So now they go into a second training camp uh, for a third training camp for the fight, if you like, if it's going to be delayed into, say, March, mm. which it may well do. And, and, you know, Frank Warren has actually called them incompetent and incomprehensible with no regard to the license holders. I don't think there was a consultation with them at all. You know, and it's, it's a very odd decision. And 
you know, I don't know, we talked on the last show about how many shows that had been towards the end of the year. Um, and I think, you know, if they are having 20 shows over each weekend or 30 shows in the month, maybe that is a lot of uh, medical staff, but I think they should have tried to press on with it. It's, it's not a time to stop, but who knows? There's a Boris Johnson announcement, isn't there? The prime minister is making an announcement as we speak right now. So who knows? I think there were 150,000 people um, with, uh, with COVID or 200,000 people. I think it was. No, was it 2 million? No, 200,000 people. It was a lot of people, Gareth. Well, I can't remember the exact figure. I think it was 200,000 um, had COVID uh, yesterday. So it, it is obviously growing uh, COVID at the moment. And there are concerns about it again. Mm. But I don't know. It, it's a shame to, to, to put a block on... on uh, traditionally, you know, up to a few years ago, there was no boxing in January. I yeah. remember when David Hay made his comeback a few years ago and fought on January the 16th, if I recall. And it was very unusual. It was, it was we almost went into a, uh, a break in boxing at one time in the summer yep. and during the Christmas period. But it, it's, it is no longer because it's such a global sport now and there's boxing virtually every weekend. I looked on the map of the schedule of around the world over Christmas and, uh, you know, there were, there were still a lot of fights. I mean, not least Louis, Louis Ortiz and Charles Martin, which... And no doubt we'll talk about when we come to the heavyweight division. Yeah, we certainly will touch on that as well. Interesting fight between uh, Martin and Luis Ortiz. You mentioned, obviously, people that it really, it almost stops their their movement for the year. And Clarissa Shields is one of those fighters. Obviously, she was supposed to fight on the card yep. in December. She was obviously then told January. I think she tweeted out now that she's not going to fight until February, end of February. Yep. I mean, for someone like her, she's going to be frustrated, right? She's tried this MMA thing. Um, some will say it's worked, it hasn't worked, whatever the way you want to uh, you want to sell it. And now she can't fight until February. She just wants to get she just wants to get in the ring, and this has been this is delaying her as well. Well, if it's if it's happening at the top end, it's affecting all those that have got mortgages to pay, that have second jobs, the journeymen, um, the, the 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 small hall shows. Because um, they are going to reduce numbers, that, and, and they're going to be affected again. We know that they were out for almost what was it, eighteen months, mm. small hall shows. So we don't want to go down that route again and have uh, the, the sport decimated in many ways, in many ways at the lower level. So um, yeah, it's it's a real pity, and it it's not the greatest start to the year in many ways because we don't have anything to look forward to this month now. Will you see, and look, fingers crossed, we're back in February. Hopefully we are. Again, we wait to see what Boris Johnson says. Who knows what Robert Smith's going to do. But will we see a lot of the bigger name fighters say, OK, look, we can go to the States and fight. Obviously, zone work both ways. Um, Frank's got a really good relationship with Bob Arum and top rank. Could we see some fighters go to America just to have a busy fight? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, it, you know, to keep, you know, people like uh, Tyson Fury, by the way, uh, you know, they were talking about Manchester Arena. They'd been talking about Cardiff. Um, he may well end up going to America now, and it may kind of jettison that whole schedule with more and more of our fighters, certainly at the top end, going to America to fight. That would That's a very good thought. It would not surprise me in the least. Mm, um, if you had your crystal ball, say you were the promoter of all promoters and you could do what you wanted to do, with boxing in 2022 um give me your top three fights that you would make oh well the top three fights i'd make well i'd have errol spence and uh and uh, terence crawford fight no doubt at no all doubt um, yeah amanda serrano and katie taylor i'd have them fight and i would probably have well i'm gonna have to have four actually because i'm gonna have saul canelo alvarez and arta baturbiev because i think 
That is one of the great fights. And that's a massive, massive legacy fight for Canelo because even though he is legit, as people would say in the modern era in many ways, of course he is, the fight with Baturbiev would make him the ultimate legit. And my fourth fight would be Anthony Joshua to come through against Usyk and Tyson Fury to beat whoever he's going to beat right now and those two to meet this summer for all the heavyweight belts. Yeah, look, fantastic. I, I can't argue with all four. I, I will chuck in a domestic dust-up because I don't know why. I, I always love to see the British fights when they go because that's what I was brought up on in the 90s. And I'd love to see Anthony Yard versus Joshua Boetsy. I just yeah. need to see it. Especially after Anthony Yard, you know, he's come back from that loss of Kovalev and Lyndon Arthur and Boetsy's come back from the injuries and look good against Bolotniks. And look, we both saw them together. They were there um, at the Copper Box, weren't they? For You were there. Yep. You were ringside for yep. it. Um, I want to see them two get it on. I'm not saying that they're the number one and number two in the light heavyweight division because Callum Johnson or Callum Smith could argue that fact. But I think it's the biggest fight in the light heavyweight division. I want to see it happen. Probably ain't going to happen, but I would make that fight. Well, it's not, listen, it, I'm not sure it isn't going to happen. Look, oh. you, you, follow, follow, the, follow the train. <laughs> and and look at if Anthony Yard, if Callum Johnson beats um, Joe Smith Jr., mm. Callum Johnson and Anthony Yard fight. That's a fight easy to make. By the end of the year, we could see Boatsy against Yard. Um, but I do think one of them is going to have to hold a world title for that fight to happen. First of all, in my view, um, because it just makes it that much bigger. They can sell it. Um, a lot easier and they can put it in a big venue then because it deserves it deserves a big fight I mean you know it deserves a, a big showdown because it is a big showdown with something we've talked about for several years and I think you know um, outside you know the champions Baturbiev, Bivol and Joe Smith you know you, you've got to look at the two of them as easily the two of the rising stars in the division. I mean, Boatsy's career has slowed somewhat, but, you know, they, uh, they... Listen, we'd love to see that fight. It's as simple as that. It's a brilliant fight. Um, guile and strength... Oh, I love it. And, and, ...and skills of Boatsy against the power of Anthony Yard, an all-London showdown. Ooh, Amazing. Fantastic. East versus South, you know, O2 Arena, oh. packed O2 Arena, 20,000 people coruscating atmosphere and us ringside interviewing people and uh who knows it might even go to purse bids between you know frank warren there you go oh no it can happen it can no happen. question i'm with you now i'm sold summer 2022 you know what let's take it away from Osu. stadium fight who knows all right this is final extra on talk sport 2 still to come we are going to be picking our wish list for the upcoming year and we're going to look ahead to some of the big fights that we are destined and desperate to see as well but next we'll kick things off by discussing how the heavyweight division will pan out in 2022 he's had enough he doesn't want any more and joe joyce by stoppage is the new British Commonwealth and European champion. And it is over, and it is personal redemption as Dillian White gets it right this time around. You know, I don't really look into it because I've had that many fights fall through in the last 12 months. God knows who I'm fighting next. You know, I was supposed to fight Joshua back in the summer, but I ended up fighting Wilder, so it's, uh, it's really unimportant to me who the opponent is. 
At the Glamour Division, the heavyweights, the big boys. All right, you're listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. We are looking ahead to what we hope, fingers crossed, will be a big 2022 in the sport of boxing. We're going to kick things off with the heavyweights. Why not? Um, they're back already. They're back already, Gareth. We saw on the weekend, Luis Ortiz, I'm not quite sure how old he is, but Luis Ortiz got the win over Charles Martin. Two knockdowns, got the stoppage. I think it was in the sixth round. Um, I guess Luis Ortiz puts himself in a position where he will be looking at big fights, not title fights, but he'll be looking at the you know, the likes of Hellenius, who, who got a good win against Kalnaki recently. Those type of names w- will be kind of floated around. What would you make of Luis Ortiz? I used to absolutely love him. Clearly not the same fighter he was when he fought Deontay Wilder first time round, but still very, very dangerous. Yeah, well, I was at that fight. Luis Ortiz gave him kittens, didn't he, for mm. a couple of rounds, and Wilder pulled off that incredible uppercut knockout at the uh, Barclays Centre in Brooklyn. I was there that night. Great Don King was there uh, and many others with his entourage. One of the last times I'd seen Don recently. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, um, Ortiz showed in that fight that he can go down, he can get back up again, and he's still got it in him. And I think, you know, when you look at the WBC uh, heavyweight division, everyone would groan if he was uh, picked to face Tyson Fury, if it isn't going to be Dillian White. And I'll know we'll come on to that, Addy. But uh He's there, thereabouts. He's got great skills. He's a southpaw. He's tricky. He's durable. He, he's got all the skill set from that incredible Cuban background, the amateur background that he's got. And, you know, he showed against Charles Martin, who is arguably one of the worst heavyweight champions in history. Um, well, he is. I mean, he is. And he, he did look improved. And uh, He's got better. He's um, got better. He, he's got better. Look, he's got better. But, it, but look, he's not... He, he, he's not top caliber. He, no. he, we would call him a European level heavyweight if he was over here, you know? Um, but he's a great opponent coming up for the likes of Daniel Dubois, for the likes of Joe Joyce. Like to see them in with him. Um, but um, yeah, Luis Ortiz is a contender. He, he's not someone that people want to see. You know, people don't actually know how old he is. He could work, be in his mid 40s by now. Um, you know, but uh, he's there, thereabouts. And he showed it the other night. He's still got it in him. No. He wants to win. Agreed, he does. Uh, another Cuban was on that card as well, Frank Sanchez. Obviously part of the Eddie Reynoso camp. Canelo's come out and said, look, Frank Sanchez will become a world champion. I don't know about that. Um, he's a dangerous fighter. He's a good fighter. I expect him to do a bit better against Christian Hamer, who's now obviously come into that kind of journeyman tag. A bit disrespectful, but he's kind of a journeyman now. Um, but Frank Sanchez is another name, I guess, to look out for in 2022. He'll be dangerous if they match him up correctly. Well, look, um, look, I was very impressed with Frank Sanchez on the undercard of uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 in Las Vegas. He dealt very handily with Effie Jagba, yes. who was a pure knockout merchant. I think they were both 10-0 and 0 going into that fight. And um, I was sitting just behind Lennox Lewis uh, that night and Andre uh, Ward, who were commentating... And they were both nodding sagely over the movement of Frank Sanchez and his ability to control the, the short spaces between himself and Efe. Um, and I thought he did a great job. I mean, and he countered brilliantly. He's got great footwork. He's not the biggest heavyweight in the world, but he's putting himself out there. He says he would beat Deontay Wilde. He says he would beat Tyson Fury. He says he would beat Usyk. Um, he's got great belief in himself. And I thought it was a sound, sound performance. And a lot of people believe that he could go on and be a heavyweight champion. But I think when the giant heavyweights have gone, he'll have a chance. Yeah, and you're right. So, fantastic box. Again, only 29. 
yeah th that might be questioned but you know the record books say 29 and look we'll never know uh with regards to him but abilities he's 29 going on 49 i know he looks that way yeah, <laughs> i'm happy you said it 100 <laughs> i want to quickly touch on is this situation i don't even know if we've got a long enough time in this segment to talk about it but the wbc and their ruling when it comes to the purse split between tyson fury and dillian white obviously top rank have gone to the wbc and said look we want an 80-20 split. WBC have pretty much said yes. I know there's a bit more to it, but that's kind of the the, the, the muchness of it. What would you make of that? 80-20 split. Bear in mind, Dylan White is the interim champion here. Well, I think, you know, the Fury team of Bob Arum and uh, and Frank Warren are playing a very, very hard ball. Mm. Um, you know, hardball gobstopper almost. Like you suck and suck that hardball, <laughs> yeah. but it ain't getting any softer. And they aren't going to get any softer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They go on forever, those gobstoppers. And, and I think this one might go on forever as well, because the thing is, um, Fury holds all the aces. There's no question about it. If Dillian White and their team need to take a risk, it's their problem that they've got arbitration still that'll probably run into late March um, over the fact that they've demanded that they should have been mandatory in the past with the WBC. It's not resolved in the court of arbitration yet. Um, and, it, and it's impacted on the WBC saying, no, you've got to go 55-45 or 75-25. They haven't, they haven't mandated any time periods on the negotiation before it goes to Perspids. I spoke at length off air, actually, with Frank Warren and on air and had a quick chat just before Christmas with Mauricio Suleiman mm. uh, when he was in Mexico City, uh, the president of the, of the WBC. And he couldn't go into a lot of detail, but basically their hands are tied over making any uh, direct, uh, let's say, uh, decisions that are public um, due to the ongoing arbitration case. So, the, you know, the, the, the fact he's suing them because he, they believe he isn't, but his team are, uh, White's team, because they don't believe he's been treated properly. They should have dropped all arbitration, in my view, mm. uh, gone, gone for a clean slate, but they haven't decided to. But that's the shark-infested waters of these massive negotiations over huge amounts of money, of course, life-changing money. And I think I think they should, should have thrown caution to the wind. I did a story with Bob Arum just, uh, what was it, between Christmas and the year where he said their team were being too greedy. That's what they're sticking at, the 80-20 split. And that's the way it is right now. So, half the people in the world, the fans of Dillian White are going to see it as unfair. But half the fans that will go with Tyson Fury will go, well, that's it. He he is the guy who's proved it, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think you've got to see Fury as the number one heavyweight in the world at the moment. And, you know, that's just the situation it is. But it's funny, you know, you, you, you mentioned the WBC there. I don't know if you're going to come on to the WBA um, world rankings, but they are weird at the moment, frankly. It doesn't make any sense. Obviously, um, you know, there's a whole situation going on with the WBA as well, where they've removed Manuel Char. Char. I mean, they had three champions. He was champion in recess, mm. but hadn't didn't have a P1 entertainment license to prove that he'd come to America. That's an idiocy in itself, an idiotic situation. Don't know what the background to the, that is whether he couldn't actually get one, can he fight in America at the moment, all those kind of things. So Trevor Bryan, um, who's the, um, the, the, world, the, the, the world champion, yeah, the regular champion. Of course, Alexander Usyk holds the, the full WBA title. He, they've got to find an opponent for him at the moment. And of course, um, Daniel Dubois is the number one. Um, Absolutely. Followed, followed by, but the biggest nonsense comes even further with, followed by Michael Hunter, Robert Hellenius, Huey Fury, 
then Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Don't get it at five and six. Does not make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, honestly, I tweeted about it as well. I mean, these sanctioning bodies right now, it's just, they're almost like trying to outdo it, each other with stupidity, it seems. It, it, it makes it, no it, sense. Here's the, here's the thing, right? Um, if you, you were asking me for one thing I'd like to see happen, I, I did mention it, I think, on the... Um, uh, on the pre on the on the looking back in 2021 show, even though it was really kind of looking ahead to the year we're now in, which is and I spoke to Robert Smith of Boxing Border Control about this, British Boxing Border Control, and indeed Suleiman when I interviewed him. And you know, I, I managed to get it out of him that the four sanctioning bodies who met in I think they met in Puerto Rico in uh, in November or late October, um, the WBC. Uh, WBA, IBF and WBO was to try and create, if they can, do you remember we mentioned this, to try and create one group of rankings that all the, all the sanctioning bodies share. So we actually know who we believe is, is the top, who are the top 10 or even top 20 in each division. And then, and this is what they want to do, that's what they met for, is to create more mandatories and create more unifications. Yeah. And that way we'll get undisputed champions quicker. At least we'll get them for a while before the belt splits up. Because you know what it's like. We got a couple of undisputed champions last year, which was brilliant. Josh Taylor, Teofimo Lopez. But we need more of that because it, it inters that interest then with the public. And they go, oh, yeah, that's the champion at 135 pounds at lightweight. That's the champion at light welterweight, 145 pounds, or super lightweight, as they now call it, or junior welterweight, as they call it in America. So, you know, it's, I, I think if I had one wish in terms of administratively in 2022, it would be that, Addy. If that happens, we don't get these kind of discussions we're having at the moment about what the hell are they doing with these rankings? Yeah, it's a, it's a complete mess, honestly. And... Honestly, I think we need like a world governing body for boxing. I think sometimes it's the wild, wild west, but I guess that's a, another discussion for another time. Inshallah. Yes. Inshallah. Fingers crossed Inshallah. it happens. Uh, this is Fanny Extra on TalkSport 2 still to come. We'll be picking our wish list for the upcoming year. But up next, we're going to make our predictions for 2020. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 
And Sal Alvarez becomes the undisputed world super middleweight champion. It's not that I didn't want it, I was scared of him. I mean, the fight just didn't materialise because we were both taking our own routes. We were doing different things, we were doing our own things. That one made me think a lot, but I just, I just care. I actually care. I don't think like, ah, it's a loss. I actually deeply care. Yeah, good afternoon, you are listening to Final Extra here on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. We are looking ahead to what we hope will be a big 2022 in the sport of boxing. Time now, though, to discuss some of our predictions for the upcoming year, Gareth. Um, let's start with the pound-for-pound pound king, uh, Saul Alvarez. Obviously, look, undisputed 168 pounds. He's told us the next fight will be at Cruiserweight, which is crazy. He's going to go up and take on Alunga Makabu. You know what I'm interested in? Not necessarily that one. And look, credit to him, he'll become a five-weight world champion because I think he'll beat Makabu. It's the fight after that. Because there's, there's no way he's going to go to Cruiserweight and then go back down to 168 pounds. So I think he will settle at 175. Does he take on one of the champions? Bivol, right now Joe Smith, could be someone else. Baturbiev, he'll keep the belt. Or, or does he have a, a, a warm-up fight at 175? Or does he go straight indie thing to one of the big boys? No, it's some... Um, are you saying after Cruiserweight? After Cruiserweight, yeah, because he's not staying up there, is he? Let's be honest. I mean, so, no, so so are we assuming that he's going to beat uh, Alunga Makabu then, yeah? Yes. Wait, in fact, you know, let's go back a bit. Let, let's, let me do a bit of a moonwalk here. What do you think will happen in that fight? Yeah, I think it's important because we can't... Look, we can't write off Alunga Makabu altogether. Mm. Um, you know, um, let, let's imagine... Go let's on. just rewind... Let's rewind a couple of years as well, right? <laughs> So, so let's rewind a couple of years. Alumba Kabu is still the WBC champion and he's facing Tony Bellew, mm. right? Mm. So how would Tony Bellew at that period have done against Saul Canelo Alvarez right now? Yeah? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because because Macabre put Bellew down early in that fight, didn't he? Bellew got up and he just went for it. And he hit, knocked him out with that horrific left hook. <sighs> a left hook from hell mm. on a brilliant night when Tony said that he'd never be able to go back and, and uh, watch his or be around the fans and uh, his beloved Everton ever again, ever go to Goodison Park. One, one of the, honestly, that's one of the most memorable nights I've ever had in a boxing stadium. Balmy night. Little kind of like it was like it was like walking off crossroads. I don't know. I know crossroads isn't filmed in Liverpool, but it was like walking from a film set with the tiny, you know, the tiny streets into a football ground. It's an amazing atmosphere. So I'm I'm painting a picture, and I'm digressing far too much. I've had too much time off over Christmas and New Year to think uh, about being focused. But that night, Macabu looked really dangerous early on against Bellew, and I think that'll be the case for Canelo early in this fight. I think he'll stop him late. I think he'll stop him in the eighth or ninth round because I think Canelo's skills will be too great and I think he'll crouch down low mm. and I think he'll get to Macabre. I think it's a fantastic fight, but I think they've picked him because he's so open. He's so aggressive as a fighter. He's heavy-handed and I think uh, Canelo will be very safe in the early rounds. Do you think, think history... Like... Sorry, Gareth, to cut across you there. No, no, no. Do you think history will look at those things with Canelo? Because some will say... But when he fought Kovalev, I mean, look, no disrespect to Kovalev, I think Kovalev's one of the best light heavies of this generation. But that wasn't the Kovalev, was it? There wasn't the Kovalev yeah. that fought Andre Ward. It was a Kovalev that was five seconds away from being stopped with Anthony Yard. And now people were going to say, OK, you picked on Makabu here. 
who's not the best cruiserweight out there either. Uh, so you becoming four and five-weight world champions, do people look back in history and say that, or is it just a case of you became four and a five-weight world champion? No, he's such a great figure now in the sport. He commands so much attention. He's such a megastar, and he really is a megastar. We've seen his personality come out in 2021 that there is an element of cherry-picking. We saw it, and mm. I covered the whole career of Floyd Mayweather from pretty much 2000 or the mid 2000s right to the end and went to many many i've only missed a couple of his fights and even he cherry picked canelo early he got cotto at the right time in a brilliant fight i hasten to add he got manny pacquiao at the right time um and i think there's an element of that with canelo but when when it says on the first line of the history the legacy of canelo and we're not all the way there yet. Who knows whether he might fight, take a fight at heavyweight? Because um, there are people that boast that he could beat a heavyweight, like you know Roy Jones Jr. did and went up and beat John Ruiz at heavyweight. It would not surprise me if they cherry-picked the right opponent. But Hall of Famer, five-weight world champion. That's what you'll remember, you know? Only defeated once by the great Floyd Mayweather. Um, yeah, I think there is cherry-picking. I think he does beat him. And then finally, to answer your question, um, I think... You know, I think he does go straight into a unless he unless he does a defense at super middleweight against I don't know like a Benavidez, David Benavidez, for example. Mm. Like to see that fight. That's a great fight. There's people complaining in Mexico that it's not as well. fighting in Mexico, in Mexico yeah. Azteca Stadium, hundred and thirty thousand people. You know, um, going back kind of historic fight, and they'd fill that stadium for him. You know, remember thirty million Mexicans watch him every time uh, he fights and. You know, if Charles Martin, by the way, was the IBF champion right now, I'd put Canelo in with him and he'd knock him out. No, he wouldn't. Stop. He'd knock no, him he out. Stop. He would knock him out. Six-weight world champion. There you go. Beat the old <laughs> no one remembers it in the history books. All right, let's move on from the pound for pound king. Let's talk about one of the hottest divisions in boxing right now, the lightweight division. Um, strange end to the year for the lightweights, right? Tiafima Lopez getting upset by mm. Gambosos. We've seen... The return of Vasily Lomachenko, I still think the best lightweight out there. Uh, you could argue, I, I think he's still great. Javante Davis looked good coming to the end of East. Um, yeah, being that win against Isak Cruz. Ryan Garcia is now saying he's back. Um, who do you think will reign supreme come the end of the year in the lightweight division? All right, well, you've got three fights, haven't you? You've got three fights on whoever it is through the year. None of them is going to fight more than three times and arguably twice. Mm. You could go for Vasyl Lomachenko, you know. You you, you you could pick him. Yeah. He's still fighting. Um, he's, 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 he's fighting above his weight all the time. He should really be at super feather rather than lightweight. But, you know, at super feather, yeah, there's some great fights for him. Oscar Valdez will be a great fight. Shakur. Um, Shaka Stevenson's a great fight. They're both brilliant fights, by the way, with Vasil, those two fights, if they ever made there. Shaka could also, of course, come up to lightweight. I don't know if you ever stood with Shaka, but he's he massive. is not a small man. He's exactly. Yeah. He, he, he really is. He, it feels like he's 5'11". Yeah. I mean, he's probably 5'9", but it feels like he's 5'11". He feels as tall as us, you know? Mm. Um, and and he's, a, he's a long, lean thing, and he's got that kind of 3,000-mile stare about him as well. He's an amazing young man. Um, Oh, who am I going to pick? Devin Haney um, could surprise us all by being the number one. Say he beats Cambosos in, in Australia. Again, COVID allowing if that happens. If it doesn't happen there, it can always happen in Las Vegas or, or anywhere. But most likely, uh, 
Las Vegas. You rightly mentioned um, Javonta Davis. He could be the king. Ah, pick one. My God. Um, I would say, I would say, I reckon coming through in the end, because I still think he's got improvements to make. Um, I haven't mentioned Ryan Garcia yet. He could beat anyone on his night because of that dynamite in both hands. Um, but I think he's he could be exposed by two or three of them, mm. not least. Um, I think he might beat Vasil Lomachenko. He could, he could hurt him. Um, Haney and Garcia is a great fight. Um, Javonta and, and Garcia is a great fight. I think Devin Haney. I actually think Devin Haney Ooh, might be the guy that comes through. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sideways with that. Who do you think? I think Vasily Lomachenko still has a, a mm, lot to offer. Mm. I, I really do. I think. I get um, it. Yeah, I get it. Totally, mm. I get it. Yeah. Are, are we both ruling out the guy that is well consensus? I guess number one in the division right now, Kambosos. Yeah, we are ruling him out, but mm. we could be wrong. Yeah. We could very well <laughs> be wrong. We great greatness is is achieved by those who who go out there and they shock the world. He shocked the world against. Tiafimo Lopez in an extraordinary fight. You're quite right to mention it. I mean, it was an extraordinary fight that night. Tiafimo Lopez underestimated him. He believed his own hype. Um, Lopez could come back and dominate the division, frankly. But I suspect, I suspect he will go up. And I think we'll see Tio Lopez um, against Josh Taylor sometime in 2022. It's one of the fights, talking about it all, that I would love to see in 2022. Yeah, no, I agreed. I think it's a fantastic fight. I do think Josh is going to go up to 147 soon, so... He might need, as well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they need to make it very, very quick. I want to end on a fighter in the 147 division. I had a good year last year, three fights, three wins, two stoppages, and that's Conor Ben. Um, again, yeah. I remember Conor Ben early coming through, and I, I, I didn't expect to see this version of him. Uh, he's a lot better boxer than I thought he was going to be. Uh, Tony Sims obviously doing a really good job um, in that camp with him. What, what would you like to see for Conor Ben, I think you've been one of the only journalists covering the sport that have been very um, honest with your feedback about Conor Ben and very hesitant to put him in with someone of note, you know, top six, top seven guy. I think you've always said that he needs to take time and they need to build him properly. What are those building fights, you think, for 2022? Well, look, he's fearless as his father, the Dark Destroyer, Nigel Ben was, who I've known for a very long time. And obviously I was around when he, he was still fighting professionally. Thank God he didn't fight uh, late in 2020, I yeah, think it was. Uh, I know. With, a, with Honestly, two big hands and that forehead of his that hits people <laughs> as often as his hands. He's got one of the hardest heads I've ever seen. And he's got, he has, he comes in with his head. Um, look, um, yeah, I've got him on my case. I've got Conor Ben on my case. I've got Richard Reakpour on my case. Uh, I'm not doing very well at the moment. No, I'm, I'm only critical in the sense that these guys look good against the opponents they've been given. I rewatched, by the way, those, what was it, four rounds against Chris Algieri. And what I will say about Connor in that fight, he showed extraordinary defensive improvements mm. and movement, swaying from the waist, fainting more, and not just being a bull in a china shop. Um, I've picked Connor Ben for the Telegraph this year as potentially the biggest rising star on this side of the pond for us because. I think he's got massive potential. He, he surprises me with every year that he grows so much, but, but just physically and emotionally and mentally, psychologically. Um, what I've picked is him from this side of the pond and Virgil Ortiz from the other side of the pond, ranked number one now with the WBC, two with the WBA, four with the IBF, and one with the WBO. 
There's no one else out in, in any other divisions who is worthy of fighting for a world title. I know we're going to talk about Errol Spence and Terence Crawford wanting to meet, but he, I think, 18 fights, 18 knockouts, plays the guitar and the piano. I've even insisted to him, look, the next time you have a win, get your guitar in the ring and do a Tyson Fury. Play your guitar and have a little sing song. You, mm, that's a good idea. I think <laughs> Virgil Ortiz, <laughs> Virgil Ortiz against Conor Ben by the end of this year will be an amazing fight. But right now with Conor, seven with the WBC, you look at who's ahead of him, Jaron Ennis. He could be the dark horse of that division, extraordinary fighter himself. But there's Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, David Avenisian, Mikey Garcia. And I mentioned Virgil, of course, there. Wow, there are some big fights um, ahead. For he, he, your, your Dennis Ugas, I'd consider putting him in with, who's obviously the WBA champion who beat Manny Pacquiao uh, before the Pac-Man retired last year to go and run for presidency of the Philippines this year. What an extraordinary story that is as well. Um, I think they still keep him floating along. I don't think he'll be in against any of those six names, Addy, I mentioned anytime soon. But I think he is a big rising star. Um, I think, in my view, he should fight someone, I don't know, Michael McKinson next, or maybe, maybe David Avenissian. Maybe, uh, but look, options there for Conor Ben, and I think the Avenisian one's a fight they they should take. Sometimes you've got to roll the dice, and I think it's a good scrap. You never know. Conor Ben is looking good recently. All right, this is Final Extra on Talksport Two. Next up, we're going to discuss our wish list for 2022 and the fights we want, or shall I say, more importantly, hope to see. Well, you already know who I want. I've been calling them out all day, you know what I mean? Maybe I'll go up to 154. Maybe if Spence get his tail out his butt, he'll fight me. You know what I mean? Whatever, you know what I mean? I will, whatever. For Connor to come out of his dad's shadow, the only way he's going to do that is by winning a world title. And still, the Unified Lightweight Champion of the World, Extra here on TalkSport 2, Adi Oladipo, Gareth A. Davis. We are looking ahead to what we hope will be a big 2022 in the sport of boxing. And let's move on now to our wish list for the upcoming year and what fights we would like to see. Uh, very quickly, because we touched on this one at the top, Gareth, Terence Crawford, Errol Spence. It, it does seem, and look, this is from the outside looking in here, it does seem as though Terence Crawford really wants this fight. And maybe not so much Errol. I'm not saying Errol's ducking Terence, because look, Errol's hit list is, is a good one. And Errol probably thinks, I don't need the Terence Crawford as much as Terence Crawford, I think, needs the Errol fight. But it does look like that T-Bud wants it and Errol maybe doesn't want it as much. I think Gareth's there. Is, is he gone already? Is he left? Is he left the building? He's not. Gareth, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you, Gareth. Did you hear what I said there about Terence Crawford. I did. Here's okay. uh, my point on this. Yeah, I do think Terence Crawford got the last say, didn't he? Because um, he he fought last, and Errol was there, and he was able to put his point across to the media. But um, look, it's kind of starting to get past its sell-by date in lots of ways mm. as well, Andy. Yeah. And I think quite yeah. wanted before COVID, um, and then obviously Errol had that terrible car crash, so he's had to recover from that. But outside that. Um, I was just thinking about this. Um, we were talking about Conor Ben in the last section. I actually, here's my prediction. If um, Amir Khan or Kel Brook 
decisively one or the other knocks the other out early in the fight when they meet, if they now meet in February, if we're not delayed. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see the winner of that fight, Conor Ben, because like if they if they show if either of Khan or Brooke don't show how warm they are in that fight, if you know, if it's it's one of those fights that we we talked about before where you know they're both up and down, they're both knocked down, it's who's got the biggest will to stay there and win the fight. If one wins it very decisively, like early in three or four rounds, say, or two rounds, would not surprise me to see them fight Conor Ben because it's a big money fight, again, for either Brooke or Khan. I was going to ask that, and I'm happy you mentioned it the last day, the money. Is there enough money on the table for an Amir Khan? I think there'll be an, enough money on the table for Kel Brook. Do you think Amir Khan will be enticed by the amount of money that Matram and Dazone can offer him? Yeah, because he'll, he'll believe they both have very strong egos and very strong belief in themselves that they could um, school this uh, this young upstart, if you like. And I think they take it. They know it's the last payday um, against Conor Ben. So I know I think they would. I think either man would take it. Indeed. Let's quickly go on uh, to the females as well. Some big fights to be yes. made in there. Yes. Serrano versus Taylor's one. We touched on that already. Uh, Clarissa Shields versus Fanna Marshall. We're desperate to see. Like... Please, let, let it happen. I, I'm desperate to see it over here in America. I don't care where. I just want to see these two girls get it on. Yeah, that's two fights away. I mean, one for Savannah and, and obviously one for Clarissa. They both win. We see them in a matchup. We know why Boxer and Sky Sports have signed a seven-figure deal with with uh, with both Savannah and mm. obviously a big money deal uh, with Clarissa. It's a big, big fight. It harks back to 2011 at the World Amateur Championships. The only defeat for Clarissa in her career against Savannah Marshall, went on to be world champion. And of course, they didn't meet in the Olympics in 2012 where Clarissa won the gold medal. But there's other fights out there as well. I'm really looking forward to the rise, by the way, of Lauren Price in the same division at middleweight after her gold medal from the Tokyo Olympic Games. She might wipe the floor with all of them, you know. She's a massive addition to the division, the Welsh fighter um, as a professional, not made a decision about how and when she turns pro. Hannah Ranking, of course, the classical bassoonist, WBA light middleweight world champion, Sholtel Cameron, mm. the unified WBC and IBF super lightweight champion. She's likely to attempt to unify all four belts this year. Um, it's brilliant, you know. I mean, I might have mentioned this to you in the, in the end of year show. Robert Smith saying there's now over 50 licensed professionals in the UK. Now, that's brilliant. Um, uh, female fighters and I go back of course to when Jane Couch covered her story she was the first licensed female professional in the UK under the boxing board she had to take him to court Addy um, Saran Jones has bought that story and is making a, a four-part series about it to come out I suppose it'll be later this year really looking forward uh, to seeing that so you know there's so many great female fighters around Alice Bumgardner who beats uh, Terry Harper, looks like a tremendous fighter with great power. We underestimated her on that kind of major night in Sheffield when Kiko Martinez knocked out Kid Galahad. There's, there's loads of brilliant females coming through in the sport now. Gareth, 10 seconds here, very quickly. Yes or no? Do you think Katie Taylor, do you think this will be our last year in boxing? 
Um, yes, and I don't. I don't think right now she's going to beat Amanda Serrano. By the way, either. Yeah, nor do I. Oh uh, my God, you actually stuck to the ten seconds. Well done, Gareth. All right, this has been Final <laughs> Extra on Talksport Two. Uh, myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis as well. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.